0: welcome to CTS Net's brand new podcast CTS Net Beat. I am your host Dr Nikki Stamp and I am an adult cardiothoracic surgeon from Australia and it is my pleasure to bring you the latest research news and interviews from the world of cardiothoracic surgery. This week we're going to take a look at the use of embolic filters during cardiac surgery procedures, the techniques for donor cardiectomy for heart transplantation, sex differences in thoracic aortic disease and for residents and trainees an important video on the technique for insertion of intercostal catheters. Every week links to articles or videos discussed will be provided in the show notes. In addition you can keep up with the latest cardiothoracic news and research by subscribing to the CTSnet journal and news scan and of course by subscribing to this podcast. With transcatheter technology continuing to grow and expand, surgeons are not only learning the skills to be primary operators for transcatheter aortic valve replacements, but we are also learning how to take the best of novel technology and apply it to our already tried and tested open surgical procedures to further improve outcomes. In Italy, Dr. Kefarelli and colleagues are doing just this to reduce the risk of perioperative stroke in patients undergoing open heart procedures with heavy calcification of the ascending aorta. As surgeons know, perioperative stroke can be a catastrophic and life-changing complication of cardiac surgery. Over the years, refinements in perioperative screening, perfusion techniques, surgical techniques and post-operative care have reduced the rates of stroke, but as we are all aware, that risk never reaches zero. In their video shared to CTSnet, Dr. Kefarelli and his team show us how they use an embolic filter in a 78-year-old man with severe tricuspid and aortic valve disease and an ASD with heavy calcification of the ascending aorta. The patient underwent a minimally invasive approach to the valvular surgery, but to offer cerebral protection, an embolic filter was also placed via a right radial artery puncture. Their video shows very nicely the technique of preparing and placing the filter to prevent debris traveling up the carotid arteries. The authors rightly point out the acquisition of skills as well as technologies such as these filters from the transcatheter world have given surgeons the unique ability to combine the best of both worlds. We've already seen combining approaches such as using transcatheter valves in the mitral positions through open surgical techniques have been used successfully, and this is another great example of doing just this. While discussions for surgeons and their involvement in TAVA tend to centre around acquiring skills for them to use in performing the actual TAVA procedure, it's important to acknowledge how we can take these skills back to our operating rooms and use them on a wide variety of procedures to improve patient outcomes. The full video can be found in CTSnet and is linked for you below. Moving on now to transplantation. As a transplant surgeon, I am all too aware of the potential complexity of donor procurement operations. Not only are we as a retrieval team often working in a hospital with staff members that we may not know or who may not have ever seen this procedure before, it does tend to happen at strange hours under fatigue. In addition to this, the stakes are high for a recipient back at the home hospital and organ retrieval leaves very little margin for error. Dr. Kim from Seoul in South Korea have provided a very nice video explaining and demonstrating the step-by-step procedure for donor cardiectomy. They talk through their procedure, including mobilization of the great vessels and division of the azagous vein. They offer some very useful tips and reminders that can make a successful organ retrieval, including the technique of removing the heart following perfusion of preservation solutions. Videos from donor operations are just so uncommon. When I was learning to do these procedures, videos like this were not available and a resource like this would have been greatly appreciated. This video does, however, only explore isolated cardiectomy, not dissection of the heart-lung block, as is common in some centres, including here in Australia. Regardless, for transplant surgeons, this is a great video to demonstrate an important surgical technique and you can find it on CTSnet. A very important paper is up next for discussion from my friend and colleague, Dr. Morale Luzanian from Toronto. In recent years, sex and gender differences in a number of diseases and particularly in cardiac disease have seen a growth in research and education of patients and clinicians alike. In a number of cardiac diseases, including ischemic heart disease, a gap in diagnosis, treatment and survival is evident. This paper, published in JTCBS, reviews the available literature on sex differences in thoracic aortic disease and shows some concerning findings that we must be aware of. These findings include that women have more hypertension, more aortic wall remodeling and three times faster aneurysm growth than men. And although aneurysms might be more common in men, women have three times the number of dissection and ruptures, which is obviously very concerning given that early non-emergent intervention is preferable. Like atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, women experience delays in operative intervention, being operated on when their aneurysms are relatively larger when compared to men. And after repair, women experience complications at a much higher rate than men, including higher rates of death and stroke. These differences should be a call to arms. Medical research has been predominantly male-focused for a number of different reasons, which over many decades has placed our female patients at a distinct disadvantage. Dr. Zemian's group have called for actionable items including the use of sex and gender disaggregated data in thoracic aortic disease research, focused investigation of sex differences in the biology, that is the ageing structure and function of the thoracic aorta, and the development of sex-based algorithms for risk stratification, monitoring and treatment. Research such as this is absolutely vital and I would encourage all cardiothoracic surgeons to be aware not only of sex and gender differences in the diseases we are called upon to treat, but an awareness of all forms of bias, not just gender bias in healthcare, so that we may provide optimal care for all of our patients. This article, as I mentioned, can be found in JTCVS and will be linked below and I'd strongly encourage you to have a read. For our last news item this week, another technique video for you. This one I'm sure will be very useful for junior medical staff and doctors Gillespie and Blackman have provided a very nice video on chest strain insertion, again available on CTSnet. The video not only shows a technique of insertion but they have also gone through some very important considerations in preparation and planning. They've given us a very nice account of the surface anatomy of tube placement, not just for safe placement, but for optimal technique and patient comfort. Now, obviously, we all have little idiosyncrasies for chest strain placement, but this video is an excellent evidence-based and very clearly explained method of tube insertion. And I know I will certainly be using this for teaching my residents. Thank you all for joining me on this, our first ever CTS Net. Beat Podcasts. Before we go, a brief reminder that the upcoming EACTS 34th annual meeting to be held in Barcelona will also be available online thanks to COVID via the EACTS portal. The meeting will run from the 8th to the 10th of October and registrations are now open. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please visit CTSnet.org. You can find me on Twitter using my handle at DrNikkiStamp. And please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review so that we can be easily found. And I look forward to seeing you all next time.